All right, guys, welcome into the Hardwick Life Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Hardwick. We got an awesome show for you today, and I know you're going to get a ton out of this one. Craig Siegel is joining us. Craig is a value-based, high-energy keynote speaker. He's a rising thought leader. He's featured in Entrepreneur Magazine and endorsed by some of the world's most well-known celebrities, entertainers, athletes, entrepreneurs, Rod, Rob Deerdeck, Ed Milet, who I'm actually listening to on Craig's show right now. Fabulous interview. Great, great content in there. Bethany Hamilton, Suzanne Summers, Alicia Silverstone, NFL Hall of Famer Brian Dawkins. Played against Brian quite a bit. Fierce competitor. Uh, so when the pandemic happened, Craig felt guided and left his lucrative and stable job on Wall Street. And then he went all in with his passion and purpose to help people upgrade their mindset and fulfill their potential. Craig's unique combination of energy, motivation, inspiration, charisma, and business success has led to his meteoric rise of Cultivate Lasting Symphony, CLS, which you'll see attached to almost everything that Craig does. It's a contagious, never-before-seen explosion that has impacted millions of lives worldwide. Be sure to give Craig a follow. He's a really great guy, really wants to make a huge impact in this world, and is. His social media handles are Craig Siegel, S-I-E-G-E-L underscore C-L-S. That's Craig, C-R-A-I-G, S-I-E-G-E-L underscore C-L-S. You can track him down on his website at www.cultivatelastingsymphony.com. And we're going to talk about his CLS membership on the show a little bit. Be sure to dig into his podcast. He's had some really, really great guests on there. It's the CLS Experience with Craig Siegel. Like I said, I'm listening to one with Ed Milet right now, and there's some thought nuggets in there that are just, you can chew on those things for a day at a time. So really cool. That's going to be an episode or two he's done with Ed that I'm going to go back and listen to, but he's got a bunch of heavy-hitting guests on his show. So something to strive for for us here at the Hardwick Life Podcast, and really happy to have Craig on. And I hope you guys enjoy the show and get a ton of value out of it. And as always, as I'm telling folks, I'm getting the uh, mail ready to go right now. I got two guys who left a review and on uh, whatever platform, and then they sent that image to me of the review. And so I am now going to send them a Hardwick hat. Like I said, it was going to on the last episode. So super cool. So you do a review. You send me the image or whatever of the review that you did. And I will send you a hat. So that's how that works. Thank you guys so much for your time, your energy, and for spending a little bit of your time with us. All right, guys. Enjoy the show. There he is. <laughs> What's going on, buddy? How you doing, brother? It's good to see you again. You too, Craig. How's life? Everything's good, buddy. I'm ready to get nuts. Uh, very busy, but you know me, I, I would want it no other way. It's when I'm most productive and excited is when I got a million things going on. How about you? Uh, life is good. We actually just got back from having nothing going on. We were in Montana at a ranch, <laughs> and that was our first experience doing that, and I, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. There was It was crazy. I mean, we actually, were actually moving. Like, we bought a house kind of accidentally we stumbled into nice. a really nice house that we bought uh the week before we're going and then our house happened to sell the sunday that we landed in montana it was before it was even listed so <laughs> it's like 
there's no, no cell reception, no Wi-Fi. It was, uh, it was a little hectic, but it was all good. We got it done. So you moving to Montana for, for good? <laughs> no, wait, no, no, no. We bought a house like two miles from where we're at now in Indiana. And we, we were taking a vacation in Montana, but we landed and it's like, oh, your home sold. You yeah. know, it's like, do you accept this offer? Yeah, we do. It's a really good offer. And now we're moving out next week. That's awesome, brother. I'm going to be actually yeah. be in Indiana in two weeks at a speaking engagement. I wanted to ask you really quick, because I know we're both, you know, same type of personalities. When you were doing a little bit of nothing uh, last week, did you find it challenging to disconnect or was it just beautiful and blissful? It was just beautiful and blissful. There's always that. I do feel like there's always that, for me, a little bit of reluctance going to vacation and then coming home from vacation. So both, like I'm an all in kind of guy. So the minute I'm fully committed, it's really easy to be on vacation. And I am vacation, Nick, and things are happening really fun. And then coming back, there's like a three day lag usually of, oh, do I really want to be in the real world again? Do I want to get back to work? But this time there was no choice because, you know, you come back, you've got all the paperwork you got to do. You got to get the mover sorted out. You got to, you know, you got to call all these people and make all the services switch over. So this time, a uh, pretty easy transition back because there was no choice. So that was, that was kind of cool. What about you? When you go on vacation, is it tough to... You know, I- I never really disconnect a hundred percent because this stuff isn't work to me. I love it so much. And, you know, for being on wall street for so long, now that I finally, I genuinely love it. So I'll always be doing something uh, to some capacity, even on vacation, at least an hour, right. Right. Or or something like that. Um, But I should probably get a little bit better at disconnecting a little bit more and being a little more present when I'm away. I'm work in progress. Hey, everybody's, I, I really do feel like everybody's balance and the way that you find balance is different. So what's balanced to me is not balanced to you. That's right. It's not, it's not balanced to Ed Milet, right? It's like everyone's sense of balance and everyone's timeline for balance is different. So my wife has incredible balance daily. She finds balance where my balance is found more seasonally where I, I love and I'm just physiologically programmed like a football season where I work six months and I'm just grinding and I love it. And then I'm like, all right, time to dis- disconnect here and give me yeah. the off season. But that's just how I've been programmed for 15 years to, to live. And so like that's I come point. to expect downtime. Yeah. yeah, everybody's balance is different, right? It's all relative, so to speak. Also, before I forget, I went to, you know, Melton and I had such a great time with you a couple of Saturdays ago on the paradigm shift. That was so cool. That's, I was telling everybody on the introduction, that's where we met and it was super awesome. So I didn't get to even talk to you or get your story, obviously, because, you know, you had me on and David talks and, you know, we just got going. So it was super awesome. So before we jump into anything, give people like the elevator, Craig Siegel, how'd you get to where you are now? Where'd you come from? And, you know, how did this all transpire? Yeah, so I reinvented myself, my identity in this world uh, about a year and a half ago in the beginning of the pandemic, and I'll work backwards for a moment. So growing up, I was always a bit insecure. I was always trying to find myself. Um, I always felt cold, but I didn't know what that was. And so I went to college, I came out, and I ended up on Wall Street. 
I was ambitious and I was hungry, uh, but I didn't have much direction. But Wall Street was really good for me because it was at that time that I also learned personal development. And let me be honest with you, I needed it. And I was just so captivated and fascinated that you can change your mindset. You can alter your perspective. You can change your thoughts and create new beliefs. And I utilized that and had a ton of success on Wall Street from a monetary standpoint. Um, but as it turns out, as we learn in life, uh, success isn't measured by how much money you make. In my personal opinion, it's measured by the impact you make and how happy you are. And so Wall Street was a ton of fun until it wasn't. And then I pivoted and you know all the unpredictability and so forth, which is too much. I pivoted, I started my own business, also on Wall Street, but a little bit different, providing capital, a lot less stressful. And although lucrative, I found myself in a really dark place. Wasn't exactly setting my soul on fire, wake up going to that job every single day. And I say job, like, Although it was my business, it felt like a J-O-B. And I'm sure a lot of the audience can relate to that in some capacity. At the same time, I had gotten out of a toxic relationship. My father had gotten diagnosed with cancer. I was just in a dark place. And I was looking for an outlet. I was looking for an arena, somewhere to be a gladiator in. And I stumbled upon running, which was cool because I had always been into lifting weights. And I was just so interested that running was so challenging for me. But was it really challenging physically or was it more mentally? And I have a bit of addictive personalities, you'll find out in the conversation. I ended up running four marathons that very year, a couple of years back. <laughs> and I just love running. And, and I'm so happy I found it because it will always have a special place in my heart to this day. Uh, but bottom line, I wasn't looking to become a professional runner. Fast forward the pandemic, bang, lockdown. I shut down my office for what I thought would be two, three weeks, who knew? Uh, and I just had a really, really deep and spiritual moment with myself. I asked myself those deep questions. And I know something that you love to talk about uh, is acceptance, right? And I accept the fact that I was not where I wanted to be in this world. I, I did not like where I was going. I wasn't happy. I was unfulfilled. And I didn't believe I was answering the call. And so I, from studying personal development, I had a strategy. I essentially asked myself, what am I really good at? And what are my passions? And my passion is personal development. What I'm good at is being an effective communicator. I married those two and I started my CLS brand, Cultivate Lasting Symphony or a play of my initials, Craig Landon Siegel. I don't want to be the next Tony Robbins. I want to be the first Craig Siegel. I launched it uh, and I never looked back. And it's funny how life works that way when you really step into alignment. We have one of the top podcasts on the planet right now. Millions of downloads sponsored by Mark Cuban. Keynote speaking, coaching programs, community mastermind, all that stuff. Sold my business on Wall Street. Uh, and this is it for me in some capacity for the rest of my life. And I'd love to believe we're just getting warmed up, Nick. So talk to me about Cultivate Lasting Symphony. What, what is that? And where did it come from? Obviously, it's a play on your name and yeah. the initials of your name. But where did it come from? And Talk to people about what that means, because some people are like, what, you know, what does that even mean? Obviously, I've dug in, so I do have an understanding, but what is it? Yeah, so first things first, I'm a strange cat. I'd like to believe I'm <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I hope I'm the weirdest guy you ever interviewed, because I take pride in it now. Whereas back in the day, I used to be a little bit self-conscious about being weird and strange. And it's funny how life turns around after perspective. Now I realize the weirder I am and the more authentic, the bigger the connection with the audience. I, I always love the word symphony. Not sure why. I just, I think of the word symphony. I think of like an orchestra all playing in tempo, like in sync, on fire. And when I, when I thought about cultivate, like 
and lasting. I didn't want it to be just temporary motivation, like watching a Rocky movie or hearing a speech. I wanted to create something that would show people that they can alter their perspective for life. They can reinvent the way they show up in this world. They could change their identity. So I'll never forget when I started to put this all together in the beginning of the pandemic, I was on a run, literally in Central Park. It came to me, Cultivate Lasting Symphony. I sprinted to a bench went to GoDaddy.com to bought, buy the domain because everybody was gearing up to go grab that one, said nobody ever. Uh, <laughs> you know what that did? It gave me a ton of momentum and it gave me confidence that we got a domain. We have a, a company name now. Let's go. And that's how the name came about, straight up. I absolutely love it. And I think the, the identity portion for me is so juicy and I think it's so relevant for so many people that are trying to make any change, right? It's, it's any change that you're trying to make in life. And I happen to deal with people who want to change their bodies, but it's funny, you know, we work with people on their bodies, but I think what they ultimately end up coming to is it's more the brain that has to change before the yes. body will follow suit. It's the brain and then the body. Yes, you're working on your body, but ultimately people figure out that there's a process to change, whether it's a physical change that you're trying to make or a mental change that you're trying to make. If I follow a routine and I set a structure for myself, then I can't do it. But one of the biggest obstacles is getting over your identity and picking up another one and committing to that. I think that's a really difficult process for a lot of people where, you know, I was a 295 pound lineman and then I became a 230 pound dad, right? That's slim. But I, I realized you have to become your identity. And, and when you do, then everything kind of falls into alignment. Yeah. You can't half ask it, brother. And first of all, you're, yeah. you're a lot more than slim. You're lean and mean and you're shredded. <laughs> I want to acknowledge you for that. You nailed it, right? You can't half ask that because you won't get the results. If you really want to achieve abundance in any specific area, let alone anything, you have to be available for it, right? You have to be a match. You can't walk around saying, oh, I want this. I want to be lean. I want to make changes. I want to do better in business, but feel like shit and expect to get the results. You have to be available for it. That's why like thinking and believing is not enough. You actually have to feel it. That's how the law of attraction really comes into play. It's an energy field and you have to become a match, Right. And this is good news because for the for everyone listening, like the universe, if you're not happy with the results that you're getting, it's a mirror, then that's feedback, letting you know that that's the vibration or the vibe that you're giving off. And it lets you know, like, turn up the frequency a little bit, right? Like, step into this new identity. Just don't just talk it, but walk it, be it until you become it. Right. And it's not so much like everyone wants to know, like, what do I have to do to get to where you are? It's not what do you have to do, it's who do you have to become? right? To attract all the abundance out there and so forth. And you have to become the highest version of yourself. And from that frequency, you will begin to attract things to that version of yourself. So you nailed it. I'm so happy that you brought that up. You cannot have asses and you have to go all in straight up. I love that. I, and I 100% subscribe to that. You actually had something on your Instagram feed a little bit back and said, we don't manifest what we want. We manifest, we manifest what we are. Yes. And, and it's something along those lines, but it's very powerful. Yep. Yeah. And just touch upon that. Like people think manifestation is a buzzword these days. It's very sexy. Everybody talks about manifesting, but you don't just say, I want 
a Rolex or I want to make millions of dollars or I want a, a great partner for myself, right? You have to actually vibrate as a version of that that can attract those things, right? So if you're saying you want to make so much money, but you have a scarcity mindset or you have a barrier around money or it's taboo, how much can you really attract, right? There's a limitation and, and so forth. So you don't manifest what you want. You manifest what you are which how you vibrate and sustain, right? But this is good news. It's not to scare people. It's to let everybody know, like, again, if you're not getting the results that you want, take that as feedback, elevate, level up, become a higher version of yourself so that you can attract that perfect partner, more money, the nice toys, help, whatever the case may be. So that quote is really powerful and I'm really big on it right now also. What are the steps if somebody wants to change and become somebody different or attract different in their life? Where do they start? Say they're at zero. How do they get to 10? Yeah. Uh, number one, I would say write down the attributes of the highest version of yourself and how they would show up. What would be the quality of their thoughts? What would be their habits, their behaviors? What time would they wake up? What would they eat? What kind of nutrition? And so forth. Now you can kind of gauge it. Because look, you can't hit a target that you can't see. At least now you have an idea of how, if there was a best version of you that existed in this world, someone that attracted all the abundance, what they might behave like, what they might seem like, how they might act. And now you have the ability to kind of chase that version of yourself until you actually become it. So for people that are listening, like, wow, that all sounds great, but like, where do I begin? Start by identifying what it would look like for the highest version of you to show up here today, right? And a lot of it has to do with just being present. I think people overlook that. Like, forget about what's happening an hour from now. Forget about what happened 30 minutes ago. Like, being present is the gateway to expansion, right? It's like a portal, so to speak, just being mindful that your thoughts do control your beliefs and so forth. So if you're having bad thoughts, actually releases cortisol, right? Which causes inflammation in the body. That's how people actually become addicted to suffering. But now that we're aware of this, now we can go in and dictate the thoughts that we allow to take up real estate, make sure that they're empowering, positive, constructive. Those thoughts create new beliefs and so forth, which create new behaviors and new results. So just being aware and then also identifying how the highest version of you would operate and then looking to show up as that person each and every day. So we live in a super distracted world where there's, you know, there's a million different things that you could be or could be doing or could do, right? It's just, and I work with a lot of clients who even forget at times that we're trying to change our body and change our mind and change our habits and then ultimately change our life. We, they, they forget. And it's because it, to me, it's because one, their identity is not strong enough or the identity that they're trying to create isn't strong enough and their past identity, they're holding on to that and whatever is associated with that. But they're not living necessarily in the present moment. How do you guide people to become more present? Yeah, great question, Nick. And I love how deep we're getting here. Like, I think everybody should have some sort of mindful practice, right? Whether that's meditation, um, praying, or, or whatever it is to be able to kind of slow down a little bit and gather um, and have an understanding of your thoughts. It moves very fast, right? And thoughts become things and it's easy to get distracted or forget 
That's why it's so important, not only to stay physically fit, but to make sure that you stay mentally fit each and every single day. Meditating doesn't come so natural to me. I find it a little bit challenging. Um, for me, when I'm running, it's like a moving meditation. But ultimately, each and every day when I start, like part of my morning routine, my non-negotiables is to quiet the mind and kind of just collect myself before all the chaos, right? Before the social media, the clients, the speaking engagements, the podcasts and all that stuff. And I think that if you're able to do that and make that a daily practice, kind of get in control of understanding that your thoughts do become things. They do create your beliefs. So you can kind of get out in front of it and make sure that you're feeding yourself positive thoughts and so forth. I love that. Creating those buffers, right? Yes. So here's before anything gets going, before I pick up my phone and see what the world wants me to become or answer my emails or look at my IG or my Facebook and get reminded of what I was or, you know, how life was five years ago or whatever the memories pop up or whatever. It's like, sit for a moment and reflect on what you want to become and how you want this day to unfold. And for me, there's not a lot more powerful than just good old fashioned visualization. Oh, and, and I remember I, I visualized the first time I ever visualized, it was a strange kind of occurrence that it came to me, but I was on a houseboat in Kentucky when I was a little kid and I wanted to learn how to slalom ski behind a boat. And I couldn't get it one day. I just couldn't get it. I couldn't get it. I was probably eight years old. And I was like, I'm getting it tomorrow. I went to bed and all I thought about was what it was going to feel like, what I was going to look like. And all of a sudden I wake up in the morning and I'm like, dad, I'm ready to go. And he's like, right now. Okay. Yeah. Right now we're going. I want to get on, I want to get behind the boat. And sure enough, just <laughs> like my dreams played out that very first time that he fired up the engine, boom, pulled me up. And now I'm slalom skiing, right? And that was the first time that I was like, I have Jedi mind tricks that I can do on myself. And that was so incredibly powerful, but it's that visualization that creating it, that your body had felt it before. And now all of a sudden you're not doing it for the first time. You're doing it for the 50th time, or you're doing it for the hundredth time and kind of giving yourself opportunities in the morning, like you're saying to have a dress rehearsal for the day and the person that you want to be that day. You nailed it. And I've interviewed some of the world's greatest athletes. I was just having lunch today with uh, NFL Hall of Famer, Edwin James. And I saw that. Yeah, yeah, she's awesome. And we were just talking about visualization, right? And, and it's like, it reminds me of like a future gratitude exercise, like to be thankful for something that hasn't even happened yet, just to just to become familiar with the feeling of already having it. it kind of reminds me of what you're talking about, like to play it out in your head, to be comfortable. So it's not the first time you're doing it. You've already played this out a hundred times. Like I remember the first couple of speaking engagements that I had, I played out the whole thing multiple times in my head from start to finish. doesn't mean it goes according to plan 100%, but at least you're familiar, you're comfortable, you're stepping in that. It's not like you're winging it, so to speak. So the power of visualization is huge. And that also plays into the law of attraction and the power of intention because you can't hit a target that you can't see. So you've already played this game, the Jedi mind tricks in your head. It's huge. What was your first gateway into kind of the metaphysical world? Yeah. So yeah, where, where did you start with that, with your self-development journey? When did you kind of step into this other the, side? The it, it's in it, you know, it's, it's a more advanced self-development. Much more advanced. And to be honest with you, this stuff is still new to me. I had always been a mindset guy. I studied 
NLP, no linguistic programming, reprogramming the brain, all that stuff in the mind. And that's all great. But this stuff is more advanced. You nailed it. Uh, and to be very specific, about a year ago to maybe the day on Monday, I was at a big speak engagement with Dave Meltzer. Uh, we were playing football on the beach with the guys, never a good idea. And I injured my foot and I came back uh, and I got an MRI. Actually, before I got an MRI, the doctor misdiagnosed it as a sprained ligament. I, and it put me in a boot and I was like, something's not right here. So I facilitated an MRI and, and shook me up, came back. I, I'll never forget it. I was on the exercise bike because I couldn't run. And the doctor was like, hey, uh, Craig, can you come in? I'm like, no, I got a lot on my plate today. Just hit me with it. Is it torn? He's like, oh, please just come in. I'm like, I don't have time for this. Like, what's up? He's like, all right, uh, there's a tumor in your foot. Like, what? He's like, yeah, uh, the ligament looks great, but we found a tumor in your foot. Uh, I gave myself permission to have about two hours of a pity party. The very next day, I was setting up appointments with doctors in New York City to find out what's what. Um, ended up getting the surgery, got it taken out, came back benign, thank God. Uh, but it was at this moment, brother, um, when I was like, this law of attraction stuff, this woo-woo, this energy stuff, like, I can't, I have a hole in my foot. I'm on crutches and stitches. Like, I have a minute for the first time in quite some time. If I'm ever going to buy into this stuff, maybe it's now. And I started diving deep in, into all this, this better stuff, this energy stuff, this secret, but on a deeper level, I started interviewing people from the secret and so forth. And I just, I just went right into this quantum, right? And I really started to believe that we are all infinite, right? And, and like, we're a, a soul and a spirit having a human experience. We're all part of an energy field, whether that's God or just a big energy field, we're all meant to be one. And we could shape shift that we could create anything. The problem is, is this scarcity ego or the devil that tries to divide us. So you want to block out the interference. And I started to get really, really confident and excited about this stuff. And then next thing you know, I was training for a marathon at the time. Chicago wasn't going to happen because I still had a hole in my foot. But all of a sudden, based upon the timing, I was like, maybe I'll be able to show up for New York City, but not run it for me this time. Maybe I'll run it for my dad to inspire him. He's battling cancer. And also, for a bigger reason, raise money for American Cancer Society. I'm diving into this quantum stuff. I'm feeling like one. I'm feeling good. And Make a long story short, I was able to get to the start line of the New York City Marathon with no physical training. I was in the quantum and I ended up running the fastest I've ran in my life. I ran a PR of 339. Um, bang. You're smoking. Yeah. And no physical training. So when everybody says like, you know, with marathons, like you can't fake that, like you can't run that physical training. Uh, I'm like, I kind of did. Um, <laughs> yes, you can. But ultimately, I've been in the quantum ever since, brother. So to answer your question very specifically, it was about a year ago that I really started diving into this meta, this quantum, this big energy stuff. And it is advanced and it is contagious and it is very, very real. And I've been swimming in this ocean ever since. You know what's amazing about saying running a marathon without training the only other person I know who's done that was a Navy SEAL and he spent about 10 years in and those guys have all tapped into that, right? That ability to just, it's happening. I'm doing it. It's done. There's not a decision to be made. I'm running. And my friend Pat actually was coming to San Diego where we lived at the time. And my wife was running the marathon the next day and he called and said, Hey, what are you guys doing tomorrow? Well, Jamie's got the San Diego marathon. He goes, Oh, cool. I'm going to swing by the convention center and see if they got any extra bibs. <laughs> I said, you've been training. He's like, I've been training. Of course not. And he went out and drank till like two in the morning the night before. And guess what? He showed up and 
you got it done, you know, and obviously awesome. a massive work capacity, huge engine in the guy, but also it's mostly the mental, right? As, as you figured out, I it's, so. I'm doing this, it's happening. There's not a decision to be made. The decision has already been made actually. So soup, that's when you, when the decision's been made, there's no going back. So I think that's really powerful. The other thing that I think is super cool is, and kind of what you've talked about is twice now, you know, when it, when it got dark, when it went dark for you, you know, before you decided to make this shift or when you had the tumor and there was like, naturally, Hey, I'm going to take 24 hours. I'm going to throw a pity party. There's a little downtime. Anytime you have surgery for me, naturally all your chemicals go to heal and repair. You naturally kind of get depressed. Anyhow, I thought, and I still say this every time looking back at my career, the juice of my career, what I really extracted from that time was the time that I had surgeries and I was not playing. Of course, the playing is fun and the work was fun and doing all that was great and super meaningful for me. But the, the more meaningful stuff reflecting back on my career was all the times where I had major surgery and I was sitting on the couch or non-weight bearing for three months straight and rolling around on one of those little wheelie things. And, yeah. you know, when you're watching somebody else do your job and your identity takes a massive hit and it's like, oh, okay. So now I see, you know, life is going to come, football career is coming to an end. My life at some point is going to come to an end. And that just put everything in perspective for me and really had me just kind of at ease and really grateful to just, when I did finally get a play again, to just soak it all in, knowing that it's not going to last forever. Because before those moments, when things are great and you're sailing, you don't, you don't think about the bad side. You don't have contrast. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the down moments, those depressive moments can actually be a super good platform for change. And so when you hit that bottom moment, you almost kind of, and it's hard to do in the moment, but be thankful for it. You because have to, yeah. because now you can redirect that energy off of the bottom and bring it back up. Yeah. And guys like you and I, like, we know with certainty that life happens for us, not to us. Of course, it's difficult and not always so visible while you're going through it. But ultimately, we need contrast in life, right? There, you, there has to be darkness to want to see the light. Mm -hmm. There has to be flaws. There has to be challenges, adversity, because that's how we grow. If we're not tested, how do we have a testimonial? You know what I'm saying? So, so we need that stuff. And, and you're absolutely right. It gives context. Um, and it ultimately, it, it really helps us appreciate and express even a stronger level of gratitude for when the good stuff does come again, just like it happened for you. Yeah, that's, that's one thing I coach high school ball, and I've got two young boys 10 and eight. And when we're training, you know, and they're in the middle of conditioning, and they're running countless hundreds. That's the one thing I want to remind them is, you did ask for this. There you did, you did when you woke up this morning, or when you signed up for this football team, you chose this. So make the most of this. And I tell my boys that all the time is like, you maybe not didn't choose to be my sons, but you did ask to be the best that you could be. So you did choose this. So let's stop whining about it. That's it. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> That's, so I heard you on with, you were, you had Ed Milet on your show, but the one thing that I really loved was 
and this is something that I really try to do a good job of. And it's one of my good strengths that I have is being empathetic. Where are, where are you on that journey as a empathetic leader? Yeah. It's funny because I've done such a 180 since I really reinvented myself in this life. It's almost like I have two lives, like before CLS and then after uh, I'm a much different person, but aren't we all always evolving and growing always. and I'll be much different three months from now. And I'll continuously grow and work on myself each and every single day. Uh, in regards to empathy, it, it plays a huge role in my life right now. Almost that, that I'm too empathetic to a fault. My girlfriend calls me out sometimes. She's like, maybe that person doesn't deserve all your empathy. Um, but ultimately, I believe that everybody has some stuff going on, even if they don't, you don't know what it is, so to speak. So I'm empathetic for that. Um, and also as a leader, it's really good trait to have because it's relatable, right? Like people don't want to work hard for someone that doesn't show like respect for them and their, and their efforts, right there. I mean, at least in my experience, like if you just scream at someone all the time, I'm not really sure how that's productive. There has to be some sort of empathy, which I believe builds rapport. Uh, and that's huge, especially when you're a leader and you're trying to convey a message and, and really, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not a camaraderie, um, but a culture. That's 100%. And I talk about this a lot when I get to do corporate speaking events is empathetic leadership. And it's finding a way to connect with the people that you're trying to lead and helping them take something off of their plate, you know, and that's the empathetic leader and there's the servant leader. So the empathetic leader builds the connection. And of course, they understand now that you care about them because you do because you've asked enough meaningful questions that I understand what's going on in your life and I deeply care about it. And that's one phase. But the other thing is, hey, we also have to realize the work has to be done. So I do deeply care about you. But like I tell my high school boys, like when we step across these white lines, we don't necessarily have time for feelings and emotions, but I do care about you. We will handle that on the other side of the white lines. So even in whatever environment you're in, when we're working, we're working but just know that I do care about you. We're just goal oriented right now. So kind of finding that. And then the servant leadership thing for me is such a huge one is how can I take something off of your plate so you can do your job better. And so tying those two together, empathetic leadership and servant leadership for me are really big ones. How can we make this easier for you? Yeah. And I think they do go hand in hand. I love that you brought that up. And also, it goes a long way with the people that you're leading. They see that and they acknowledge it and they respect it. And that's what helps build that connection. Yes. How do you handle relationships as you're evolving as like CLS launched, bam, new person, probably talking about completely different things than you were two years ago? Oh, yeah. How do you handle past relationships? How are, how are those affected at all? This is always such a fun topic and a conversation uh, when I speak to people about this, because look, like for me, I just don't have much in common with the Craig of two years ago. I'm that much evolved. I had like an awakening, like I, I genuinely reinvented my identity uh, and I found myself, right? I lived more in the last year and a half than I did the previous 35 combined, in my honest opinion. So I don't like to say I've outgrown people. 
because ultimately people have a choice to grow with you, right? But I'm ultimately just on a different frequency right now. So I don't have as much alignment or in common with some of the people from two years ago and beyond. Mm -hmm. Right now, the types of conversations that I want to be having are conversations like this, brother. These are my dinner conversations, like straight up. Like, of course, we'll talk about sports and, and other stuff too. But ultimately, I always like to sharpen the axe, like to get some sort of inspiration, to get a nugget. I like to be around big thinkers, dreamers, doers, people that are putting a dent in the universe, people that I can learn from. Um, and, and it doesn't mean that like, I don't like people from the past. I just don't have as much in common with them. And so people always ask me like, well, how do you handle people that are a little bit toxic or, or neg you out from the past? And, and ultimately like, look, it's tough because I know that especially family, people that are close to you might be those people. All I could say is this, you have to honor yourself. You have to fill your cup up first. How do you do that? You stay around positive vibes, higher frequencies, good energy. If somebody has the capability to lower your state based upon their frequency, it is what it is. Like I used to always be like mad at myself. Like, how do I allow them to do that? But the reality is like toxic and negativity, it spreads, right? You know, the person like they walk into your place. I mean, let's be honest. Like someone walks into your place and after five minutes, you're like, Oh, I need a nap. But then there's other <laughs> yeah. people, right. But then there's other people that you haven't seen in, in two years, they come over and you can spend 12 hours straight with them. Right. And, and keep going. It's just a live alignment. You guys are on the same frequency, laughs, uh, good chats and, and so forth. So I think you gotta make a, a conscious effort and be intentional with who you surround yourself with. And, and also on the flip side, like you have to let people go that don't serve you because they will bring you down or you what's what's the old expression like you're the five you're the sum of the five people you hang out with the most i believe that yeah. right so you have to be intentional with who you surround yourself with and i'm almost too intentional like if someone like say if i'm at a 10 and someone's at an eight like i'm almost don't even want to be around them um, but, <laughs> you're like oh yeah gotta draw the line somewhere here <laughs> <laughs> but but I just love this frequency. I love this type of conversations. And, and at this season of my life, this is where I want to be. Yeah, it's blast off, right? When you get into really intense conversations and you're talking about stuff that you're into, you just feel like, I guess you're in flow state. Right? It's magic. It's, yeah, it's flow state. You're just yeah. going, you're feeling it. You love this. And that's obviously that's why you're serving your people so well is because you love what you're doing and it's easy for you and it's work, but it's not work. You know, it's fun work, fun work or fun work or hard play. That's it. And the same for you. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, I can't believe, you know, every night I go to bed and I'm reading something new about the body or muscles or food, or, you know, now it's, I've been into Dr. Joe Dispenza, you know, you, you into he's him at deep all. in that quantum stuff. He's, he's the man. So like I've been into him lately. So there's a lot of that going on. This one thing that I want to get out of you from my clients, and it really was about, you know, getting away from the toxic relationships, but it's always the person on the diet that goes to the family event and the person, the family member, the friend, the coworker, whatever it is, is afraid of the change that you're trying to make. And so to put them at ease, you fall back into your old patterns instead of 
empowering them to be on your team, which I think is a really cool way to do it. That's what I always encourage people to do first is to say, Hey, okay, I'm going to a, a family wedding and I know my cousin's going to give me a hard time or something's going to happen, or they're going to say something about it. Or they did. And in, in retrospect, they would be like, yeah, they gave me a hard time. And so I had a cut, you know, it's like, whatever happens. So what I always like to give to them is why don't you put them on your team instead of joining their team? You know, so give them a moment to go, Hey, look, I'm really trying to make changes in my life for the better. So I can be around longer so I can have more energy so I can experience things that I want to experience. I would really appreciate it. If you would join my team, you know, if you would help me out and hold me accountable, you know, and then by doing that, say, Hey, hold me accountable. They're like, who's going to turn down an opportunity to help somebody to get better? Right. You know? So when you ask me those things, you're actually asking me to go away from my goal, but I've stated this as my goal. So if you could, please give me some encouragement and accountability. And then lo and behold, you've now possibly drugged somebody into the pattern that you're trying to get into simply by not telling them, but telling them what you're doing and then asking them for some assistance to get where you're trying to go. And now yeah. you're asking them to come with you, which is probably feels pretty good for a lot of people. Cause that's, oh, yeah. I think that the resistance to change from others is they don't want to be left behind. Ooh. So when it comes to the empathy, they don't, they put up resistance and it, I think it shows up in a lot of different forms, but they put up resistance because they don't, they love you. They care for you. And they're afraid that if you change too much, that you're not going to be with them any longer. So you can ask them to come on the journey or to help with the journey. Yeah, you nailed it. That was beautifully articulated, brother. And it's so true. Like, and talk about the power of encouragement, right? And yeah. I, I think it's overall just encouraging someone, not telling them like a dictator, but encouraging them. I think that goes really long way and also pulls back into empathetic leadership and stuff like that. It does. Who's been your favorite guest on the podcast? <laughs> I love the podcast so much. And by the way, we got to get you on. We'll get that book 100%. Um, it's like my kids, right? It's like saying, who's your favorite kid? <laughs> I know there's, there's, a, yeah. you know what I, for a while I did it in kind of a pattern where I was trying to learn very specific things about fitness, nutrition, psychology, you know, all those trying to put them into, and basically you can write a book from the guests that you have, because everybody's got such a strong message. So I feel you. It's a really hard question to ask. Yeah. And also like selfishly, right? Like I love having the guests on the show. It's not only specifically to, to drive home to the audience, but also I want to learn from some of these people, right? Like that's right. my led to the world, the Edgerman James, the Elisa Silverstone, the John Astor, the Rob Deerdex, everybody like has had major success in some capacity but it wasn't always like that they went through their struggle also so i love to hear some of the mindset tips like what was their thought process what was their process in general to overcome rock bottom to get to the level of success that they've had so i've enjoyed all the conversation and the coolest part is, is like you get to the great thing about podcasting for the audience isn't like is aside from obviously providing a ton of value for your community and audience you also get to form relationships, right? Like think about it. We met through the paradigm shift and here we are connecting. You're going to have you on my show and, and build a friendship. So it's a great way to network and connect and meet new, exciting people as well. And I think to have real deep conversations because you know, coming on, we're going to get deep, right? We don't even, 
we don't have to work to deep. We're just, we start there. We just cannonball right into the deep end and go for it because that's what we're here for. Yeah. So when you can take down like the, you know, when you meet somebody out and about or whatever, it's like, yeah, we'll start a little superficial and then like kind of feel if we can go there or not. But when you come on or when I come on your show, bam, we're going to get to it 100%. because we know that. So you cut all the bullshit out. Yeah. which for me is really cool. So in an hour, what you can extract from somebody's life is like, holy crap. Yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing. And that's how the people who are listening are able to quantum leap because these deep conversations are what are most meaningful. Yeah. Tell me about Brian Dawkins. I played <laughs> against, I played against Brian many times. He yeah. is wildly intense. I was also part of the players union. So I, I was one of the representatives from the chargers for nine years. So I got to be around Brian a lot, who was on the executive committee and obviously hall of famer, tremendous, tremendous player. How was he? He's awesome. And I didn't realize to, to the extent how much of a deep thinker he is and so profound and you know, he, he's doing some exciting things right now. And one of the things that he really likes to drive home is how um, on the backside of pain is where all the major growth really happens. And we were kind of talking about that earlier in the conversation uh, and it's just beautifully articulated. And he says that, you know, when, when big obstacles and adversity happens in our life, you have to lean into it because just knowing from life experience that by having those tests, are where on the other side, you see all those quantum leaps, that big growth and raising your capacity and so forth. And I think that's a key message that will land for anybody. It's universal to lean into the adversity because on the other side is where we have the most growth. He's a great guy. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. And I know he's super intense. And I think, and, and you know this about yourself, about all the people that you've had on that have had tremendous success. None of them have had it being not a deep thinker or not being really oh, intelligent. I mean, you yeah. don't just fall into incredible success. Like most of these people have, yeah. they're, they just, they're deep thinkers. They think about things on different levels than a lot of us think. And they're wildly intelligent. hundred percent. And it's so that's the commonality, right? Between all the mm -hmm. people that we speak to and so forth. And, and that's why I want to spend my time at this season of my life around you, around Dawkins, around all these people, because I love thinking deep. I think that's what's most stimulating. And also for the audience that's listening, that's where they get the most value. So I love that you touched upon that, brother. All right. Tell me what uh, the CLS membership is and how can people get more out of you? Yeah, so that's the community, the CLS community. We just launched it about nine months ago. We have 350 people in there. We awesome. meet every Wednesday at 12 Eastern. We go nuts for an hour coaching, building a personal brand, um, business strategies, how to revamp your mindset, how to remove limiting breeze, the law of attraction, how to become available for all the abundance out there. We also bring on big guest speakers um, like Ed um, and big entrepreneurs, entertainers and athletes and so forth. And, and also we have a private group in chat where everybody networks. A lot of people said they'd never seen a community like this. People are doing business with each other, people are forming intimate relationships. It's just a support system like the world's never seen. Best way to find out about it is go to our website, cultivatelastingsymphony.com. We also have a free texting community with daily inspiration. You can join totally free. Just text 917-634-3796. If you do, uh, text the word Nick. So I know you heard the conversation on his podcast. And then anywhere you listen to podcasts, the CLS experience, 
best thing about me is, is I'm not shy. I love to engage and interact with the audience. I always get back to all the messages at some capacity. I do too. It's one of the, the greatest things really is, is the connections that you have. And you get some people who, you know, don't like the message that you're sending out or whatever, but most people that's okay. are, super, are super grateful for what you're doing and what you're providing. I think that's really awesome. Give me a little, give me a little help here. How have you created such an engaging community? Because I think that's the great challenge, right? It, like for me, it's finding a time that works for everybody to get together. But how, how did you come to 12 o'clock on Wednesday? I think it's a really good time now that you mentioned it. It's lunchtime, yeah. which is great. And then how have you kind of helped harvest that community to make it so strong? So I chose 12 o'clock Eastern, brother, because I launched it in the pandemic uh, when people weren't really back at work yet. Um, but ultimately, when the pandemic would end, which, which it kind of is now, uh, I knew that lunchtime would be a good time to keep that going. So that's why I strategically chose that time. In regards to um, the community, everybody says they've never seen anything like it in terms of engaging and loyal and hardcore. And, and the answer is simple, is because I care so much. And from the very beginning of CLS, from my first post, when I had 300 Instagram followers, I would literally get back. I don't care if I was up to 2 a.m. I got back to every comment, every message, everything until I was blue in the face and make sure that I, that I responded to everybody because I wanted to create that personal experience. I didn't want to just be somebody on social media that you don't really have access to. I figured that's how I'd be able to separate myself in a, an industry that's pretty competitive, right? Or, you know, there's a ton of saturation. So as I always like to say, there's always room for the best. And one of the ways that I'm able to cultivate that is by going the extra mile and responding to everyone. Of course, now it's much tougher because it's exploding and so forth. But to the best of my ability, I try to get back to everybody. I want everybody to feel seen. Uh, and I go the extra mile, brother. That's very cool. Well, Craig, thank you for this. This is going to be one for me to go back and listen to and extract all the nuggets from. So thank you for the time. Really awesome stuff. And keep up your good work, please. It's very, uh, very impactful, which I know that's, that's the mission. Have a big thank impact. You. Yeah. Create happiness. That's it. And thank you so much for having me. And the best part about this dynamic is it's just the beginning of the friendship. I can't wait to have you on and look forward to all to come. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Craig. Have a good one, buddy.